the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem. I'm here with my husband, Jim Anger. Hello. <laughs> Um, he's off his game because he didn't even give me an outline for today's. Um... Oh. <laughs> I mean, I it over there. it's wait, it uh-huh. uh, check the printer right behind you. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Oh, Boom. Okay. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I was I was thinking that maybe you were just gonna let me go freeform. <laughs> no. <laughs> um. Yeah, you've been. <laughs> I've. I was supposed to, I was telling myself I need to like read the blog. I feel like you have a blog, right? Yeah, I've been really regular. <laughs> what have you been writing Depends. about? Depends. Uh, what did I write about last week? Not having a subwoofer. Oh, that that's that's problematic. Um, it is. When, so subwoofer. So when did you, when did you like start being into music? High school. I, I mean, it's, I guess it's usual high school. Yeah. What was pre-Springsteen for you? Paul Simon. You say Simon that so definitively. <laughs> I, I just knew always you... had a always had a favorite. And then and then he dropped off for Bruce. Yep. Because why have you told that story on the podcast? I don't know. I, so I was listening to lots of different things in late middle school, early high school. Didn't really connect with a ton of pop 40 radio but went in the direction of singer songwriters and i had a nerdy musical friend group that was doing the same thing i was never a huge fan of hard rock or heavy metal or hair metal which was one of the things that was big in that era so going back to like zeppelin and more classic rock stuff kind of didn't feel great to me i was not into the blues at that time Mm -hmm. either which later changed or jazz so went in the singer-songwriter direction, and whether with Simon and Garfunkel or solo career, Paul Simon, I thought, just had a way with words and a way with tunes. And then when I discovered Bruce, I realized that I could have my songwriting cake and listen to my rock music, too. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, interesting through line. I see that. Okay. What, what's your favorite Paul Simon song? <laughs> I don't know, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Uh, let's start. Let's jump in to Call It Stormy Monday, where we talk a little bit about this sermon, the last of a sermon series in which um, all of the Lurdy communion. <laughs> Can you explain communion, by the way? I feel like you haven't, we like launched into like calling the Liberty Communion the Liberty Communion without, I don't know. I didn't notice why, when it changed, but I don't think it's like particularly... Um, intuitive of a word choice, personally. Well, ho- hopefully, our consistory members who listen to this podcast will know the answer. About a year and a half ago, all of the individual leadership boards of the churches in the Liberty Network signed a recovenanting document where we were re-upping with the Liberty Network for this next season. And the leadership team, in part of that process, felt like if this was a season in which we were leaning in to relationship and mission with one another and 
this is the first time that we had ever asked leadership boards, aside from lead pastors, to be a part of the Liberty Communion. So that was a growth step for our network. We just came to the conclusion that both to signify a new phase and also because network was not a strong enough word that we were hoping mm-hmm. would connote the relation, the thick relationships between the Liberty Churches, we happened upon communion from Steve Huber, mainly from the Greek word koinonia, mm-hmm. which occurs all over the place, often translated as fellowship, but not always. And so we are not just a network of churches, sort of like you have a social network or a friend network. When mm-hmm. you like some of them, you don't like some of them. You keep in touch with some, you don't with others. But we're a communion in it together for each other. Okay. But good question. And yeah. part of that transition, too, was there was a, as we decided, hey, let's let's change things from Liberty Network to Liberty Communion of Churches, there was this really long period after that where people were calling it both things among lead team and lead pastors until one lead team member put his foot down and said, people, this is never going to, this change is <laughs> never going to happen unless we police ourselves to uh-huh. never say Network. Liberty Network. And that, I, I felt like that was an inspiring moment for yeah, that leader. Yeah, you felt like that leader was just kind of needed to put his foot down. <laughs> he was very handsome, too. <laughs> Wow. What what Inspired. what punishment did this this leader enact on people who use the term Liberty Network? Uh, there is no punishment because it's all about positive relationships. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to start calling it the leader the Liberty Network now. Okay. Um, it just it speaks to me. <laughs> <laughs> you, you do your own truth when it comes to the Liberty Network. That that's our new mission statement. Do your own truth. Oh, uh, so as it relates to that, like. Can you tell me a little bit about the, the question here in Call It Stormy Monday is often what are you burdened to get across? So conceptually, as a as a communion of churches, what are you burdened for the the communion communion of churches to understand from this passage in the sermon? The Liberty Communion of Churches has not changed its mission statement. That was just kidding earlier. We want to live, speak, and serve as Jesus' very presence in the various towns, cities, and regions where, where God has placed us. And so the burden of the sermon series, written by three individual pastors, but shared across the communion, was that if we had one shot for each of the three aspects of our mission statement, living, speaking, and serving, how do we bring it all together in a way that would compellingly cast vision to our congregants, about this is why we're actually together. So one of the questions we field as Liberty Communion leaders over the years is, so why are you all, why are you a communion? What what are you doing that on one hand, being an individual non-connected church isn't able to do? And hey, don't we already have denominations out there of various shapes and sizes? So what's this middle level network or communion thing? What are we doing by being together? And a large part of the answer is we're living, speaking, and serving together. So we mm-hmm. wanted to cast a strong call in that direction. Yeah, makes sense. Um, anyone, like, the order of live, speak, and serve, was there a specific? Is it just because of that how it sounds when, it, when you say the words together? So the mission statement was developed by primarily Steve Huber and Jared Ayers. That would, would have been Liberty... 
River Wards, Nay East, and Liberty Center City before we actually moved back into the area. So we don't have a super... When when we first um, mm-hmm. were familiar with the Liberty Communion in the early 2000s, when we were not part... When people were smoking on the front There porch. was... Exactly. There was... So the three core values, worship, community, and mercy, were always in place. But mm-hmm. the mission statement came later by a few years. And so I don't know. But I think I think there is both... Uh, you know, lyrical flow to live, speak, and serve. But then also, I think there's a conceptual order there too, when living is the deepest level, it affects everything. And if in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, there's something centrally verbal about Christian witness, speak, but then it doesn't stay there. It involves our hands and feet. So we need to serve as well. So I would have advocated for this way if I were in the in the room at the time, <laughs> but I wasn't invited. <laughs> uh, gotcha. That's it. Last, last thing about that, baby. Sure. In, in the early days of our moving up here, I was the youngest. The this is a few iteration, a few updates ago, but originally the Liberty leadership team was simply all of the, not only the lead pastors, I think, but just pastoral staff because there were so sure. few of us, and so. For our first couple of years here, I was the the youngest, if not by age, but close to it, person in the room with the greenest church. So I was just sort of the court jester uh-huh, <laughs> where, for a while. where there were all of these more seasoned pastors that had actual churches that they were leading. And I was just happy to be in the room and make fart noises every once in a while. Telling but... people about our wine parties and yeah. <laughs> wine tastings. How, how times have changed. I also joke to people that... Liberty leadership team is a war of attrition, <laughs> but we are. Here you are. We are winning. Yep. Um, okay, well, let's move on to Sun Studios, the presence of the Lord. As we, as you think about um, when you were coming up with this idea, this concept, mm-hmm. Live, Speak, and Serve, how did you come to this passage to represent service? So um, I don't know if you're asking this knowing the answer or asking it for the audience, but either way, so... Was I supposed to know this answer? (laughs) Not necessarily, but I did not choose this passage. So when Matt Harmon and I first were working on this sermon series idea for these three, Matt had the idea... So the original idea was that between Matt and me, Liberty Mainline, that's where Matt Harmon is, we would write the three sermons, Live, Speak, and Serve. But Matt had the idea... Hey, Vito Baldini, our regional director of Justice and Mercy Ministry, his primary place of attendance, he's doesn't he's not the lead pastor or pastoral staff in any specific church, but he's most of the time at Liberty Mainline as a congregant. He said, hey, it would be really easy for me to ask Vito, and wouldn't it make sense for the serve sermon sure. to be written by our director of effectively service? And whether it was me with my live sermon, Matt with the speak, or Vito with the serve, we had freedom to... I see. Choose your own path. Choose choose your own adventure. Um, And part of that is I wouldn't have wanted somebody else to tell me what passage to choose for serve, so I I returned the favor (laughs) to Matt and Vito. However, you would be fine with handing your sermon off to someone else to preach. (laughs) (laughs) There are many two-way streets, but not all of them are. I am... I am super curious to know how it, how the execution went out, like, or how people actually felt about preaching other people's sermons. Actually, yeah. that could be asked to you. I'll, I'll ask that in Muddying the Waters, but okay. you can start thinking about it. Um, so tell me more about this passage as you approached it with the eyes of someone who was going to be preaching someone else's sermon. 
which I've never done before, I think. No, years and years ago, I take that back. I needed, there was a time during the Liberty Callings at early stages when in the course of our fiscal year, we were really, really behind on budget. So I emailed that to the other pastors and said, hey, does anybody have a really great sermon about giving? So I, uh, I, wow. I stole from, from Jared Ayers. I, I attributed it at the time. I told people at the beginning of the sermon, this, mm-hmm. is, this is not mine, but Jared's, which actually made it easier to preach on, on yeah. hey, everybody, if you want this church to survive, Liberty Collingswood is not funded on angel wings and rosary beads, but we actually need people to give in our midst. But then if it would have come across too harshly or wrong, it's like, hey, don't shoot the messenger. This was this was Jared's sermon. So uncle instead of a dad with that sermon, I guess like I was here so I didn't do any commentary work on Ephesians chapter 1, but I mentioned, I think is the preamble to the sermon, that even though the sermon text is Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, and preachers have the freedom to do this, Vito pretty much just focused on the last verse, mm-hmm. which highlighted to me what I mentioned is some of the interesting interpretive history with with Ephesians 2, 1 to 10, where... This is one of the great statements of salvation in all of the scriptures. Verse mm-hmm. 1 to 9, you have faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone. We're saved uh, by grace, not by works, so that no one can boast. And, I, and if you remember, Scott Floven spent a good bit of time, or his talking about Ephesians chapter 1 in the sermon that he preached on January 1st, also talking about all this salvation stuff. For by grace, you wait, no, Ephesians 1 for, for he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be homely and blameless in his sight, and, and so on. So tons of stuff about salvation, which whether Vito in his sermon nor in mine that I spend a ton of time unpacking wasn't the purpose of this specific sermon. But then you have that last verse, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? It seems that there is uh, less remarked upon in the Presbyterian and Reformed tradition, in which I locate myself, about, so if we're given this awesome salvation in Christ, what are we going to do about it? And the answer is God has prepared us for good works. Right. Um, what? How do you see this being played out in the sermon? I'm just trying to, I'm looking. <laughs> I've, yeah. Finding it more difficult to ask you questions when you haven't, when you weren't authoring the sermon. So, ah, very yeah, interesting. Maybe. Well, the 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 connection is if you want to draw a through line from good works in verse ten mm-hmm. to the live, speak, and serve part of the of the mission statement. What um what I was also interested, I, and I didn't go I didn't go as explicitly in this direction. So, from an interpretive perspective, you shouldn't leave off verse ten for the sake of verses one to nine, Mm -hmm. you could also take that in a theological or systematic theological direction. So historically in our tradition, we we love to talk about the sovereignty of God. God is in control of all things. He leaves nothing to chance, including and especially our salvation where God is sovereign in his grace to us. It's interesting to me that God's sovereignty extends not only to his salvation, but or to our salvation, but to ethics, like God is sovereign and therefore he has ordained us not only to be his, but to be for others as well. So the, the sovereignty through line extends Mm -hmm. all the way to our good works. 
We're not saved by him. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Um, so we haven't only been ordained to receive grace. We've been ordained in a non-salvific way, but still to to share it. So, so that's some of where where I was buzzing uh, this this week. And then there was a whole question, too, of... Um, which creation horizon is in view in verse 10? The, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Is that the original creation or the second one when we're reborn, the new birth in Christ? The answer is both. Wait, define creation horizon again. So there's creation, fall, and redemption. We talk about those like horizons or arcs of the biblical story that spins out into the world. Uh, or... In this case, it's simply, if we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, verse 10, is that a reference more specifically to our original creation as people, hearkening back to Genesis 1 and 2, or is it more specifically related to uh, recreation in Christ? Okay. Um, and because for Paul, in his eschatology, mm -hmm. his understanding of, of the last things in Paul's mind, last things are tied very closely to first things. So we can talk about both how God created us with human dignity, which is which was a main theme of this sermon from Vito, but then we're also recreated in Christ to carry that mission forward. Right. Um, good stuff. Um, I forget. Was that a handsome signal that we can move on or one yes. that we're staying? There we go. Let's move on. <laughs> I've forgotten our our uh, cues. We'll do a My brain, You know, the, I will say to the audience, like a little inside scoop. This is like one of our first times. Not that's not the first time, but it's an afternoon podcasting time. Not sure the afternoon works for my brain quite as well. Well, well you did just get uh, start your new job a couple weeks ago. And so not only are we recording in the afternoon, but you have put in a full day of work more or less by this point. Too. Right. So my yeah. So I'm a, I'm a little draggy. But. And I've just been couch surfing with my stomach bug. <laughs> so. Both fun times. There we go. Um, so muddying the waters, the things, let's ask the question of um, how was it like to preach a sermon that you didn't write? Ah, I had this in a different section, but may as well. <laughs> what was fun or difficult about constructing the sermon? Okay, so. How, I, how is that, where, where, no, what section no, do you have true. it in? That's true, you're right. <laughs> the... I hope it was fun for all of the pastors to whom or with whom we shared these sermons to give them pre-made sermons that they could lightly edit. And so that part was, it was fun for me to give. I hope it was fun for others to receive. It was not fun for me to receive. So this is not my cup of tea. It's sort of like, and maybe I mentioned this on a previous podcast, Ironic. when you're you're holding a baby and you realize it's not your baby. <laughs> you, you this wanna... is only you. There okay. are there are plenty of I love holding other people's babies mostly. No, it freaks me out. So <laughs> the right. So I'll, I I found myself look, looking into the eyes of this baby that was looking back at me gurgling and smiling and then I was like, "Hey, you're not mine." <laughs> so I had that experience multiple times when 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 writing the sermon and also because my sermon preparation process is I think fairly unique not that it's better than anybody else's hopefully it's not horribly worse the but it was hard to like to implement to yeah having like, to having to jump okay. on somebody else's sermon train so mm -hmm. by by the end of this I, I used Vito's basic structure uh, and his sermon was really really great 
it just wasn't wasn't it wasn't mine. your baby yeah and other people's so, babies are but, but, usually pretty great baby everybody's baby has is one a great fun baby. fact is that i used to i don't do this anymore but i used to like whenever before we had kids if someone had a baby i would like ask to hold the baby and then i make you hold the baby forcibly just to like make sure that you knew how to hold the baby <laughs> And then when time. I had kids, my when I had babies, I should say, I would frequently... Our babies or... Our babies. I would frequently, like, hand our babies to someone, to, to men specifically who were married. Right. But didn't have kids because I wanted them to have the same experience of knowing what it feels like to hold a baby. Well, please, please know that I don't believe that exercise told me at all, but... <laughs> But if it helped you picture me as a father, then I guess it achieved something after all. But point being, yeah, you, by, you didn't like preaching other people's the, yeah, is this just a like other people's personality babies. thing where it's a it's actually like a control thing. <laughs> it's just a. Is it a? I don't know. I I just I just I don't I'm not controlling. I am I am super curious to hear how other how other people found the same experience. Postsundayblues at gmail dot com. Yeah. Oh wait, you mean the other pastors? We'll we'll debrief with them too. So, yeah. So so this was about two. Th- it ended up being about two thirds to three quarters me, and then about a uh, quarter to a third. Sure. Vito. Sure. But so this concept of um, of serving and being and doing. Good works that God has called us to do in advance. Um, yeah. What's the burden, specific burden for you behind this? Well, I think, and this is something that was very front and center in Vito's sermon too, so I need to give him credit here. Emphasizing Imago Dei, the image of God from the creation story, specifically mm-hmm. through the lens of what that means for human dignity and, sure. and value. So Vito continued to pound and pound and pound during the sermon that all human beings, uh, rich, poor, skin tone, ability level, etc., cetera, uh, we all have supreme inherent value by virtue of our creation in God's image, even when we don't treat ourselves as if we do have that, that value. And mm-hmm. so Vito just deployed that in, in a lot of different, in a lot of different directions. And, sure. uh, and, he, he used the phrase at one point, which I retained in this sermon, that if human beings are of supreme worth, dignity, and value, then mm-hmm. of all places in the world, the church should be the place where human dignity is cherished, upheld, delighted in, and, and practiced, which is an interesting way of thinking about the church that I haven't spent a ton of time thinking about, and interesting yet to pursue at Liberty Collingswood, at other churches in our communion, more broadly, do we cherish human value and dignity mm-hmm. in how we think of and treat one another? It's a good question. Sure. Um, and like individually, I think also the context of um, not only do we treat other people that way, but are we ourselves understanding ourselves to be of value and yeah. having dig- dignity and a purpose? Right. Too. Yeah. And Vito spent a good bit of or spent some time talking about how pain and tragedy claws away and suffering mm-hmm. human dignity, whether as we think about ourselves or, or other people. And then, yeah, if, if that dignity is there, and then if the church is a place where we 
practice and uphold human value and dignity, then we're called to pay it forward by, by serving other people in the ways that they deserve to be served by, because they're created in, in God's image. So, so I wanted to press people ahead to think about serving more. And I do sense a, I met with Eric Mitchell this afternoon over Zoom, and I was telling him, I, I think in our church there is a little bit of a growing interest in re-engaging some of those mm-hmm. service yeah, muscles. I, so. I, I may have said during the sermon, and this was an ad lib, I hadn't planned on it beforehand, The in some darker, cynical COVID moments, I, I did think like, hey, if we hang out the shingle for a service project or one kind or another will there ever be a time right. in the history of our church or our world when people will show up for stuff right. again and, and we tried a couple yeah. times for various things mm-hmm. and they just and i'm not blaming any specific people it was mm-hmm. just a function of where everybody was culturally but maybe people uh, are ready showed again. up yeah. um and so this is a time when maybe we can show up a little bit more and and i i enjoyed developing the idea a little bit and this isn't something that I'd thought of before about individuals and families. Maybe you should find your niche where um, we can't serve everybody in every way. But why not? Why not think through your gifting, your talents, your bandwidth to say this is a specific aspect where either I or we can really dig in and serve in a way that that makes a difference. Yep. Um, find a find a niche and we want to be that as a church the the polite yet persistent server that (laughs) constantly asks you hey you say you're here for drinks but here's a menu would you like to order some food right so so the challenge for you well not challenge but you're gonna continue to be that server to try to provide opportunities exactly not not just me as a individual but our, our other leaders and that sort of thing as our son micah has begun working as a the first server in our family i don't think you or i were ever servers nope. josiah our first was not but now mike has broken the seal mm-hmm. doing a good job westmont diner good place <laughs> um bar, bar band cover tunes there is ready? one other thing i want okay. to say Go. so um about muddying the waters i and i mentioned this briefly this was not in Vito's sermon and maybe this is something that just is for me in my my ivory or pseudo ivory tower but did did you catch what i was saying about human beings being having supreme value versus speciesism right that right the leftist perspective of i wouldn't say it's only only leftist but just like secular more more broadly mm-hmm. uh, are, are you familiar with that conversation or i like, think so yeah so it, it's coming from a few different directions uh, from environmental science biology saying why why should human beings and you know as we've done a lot to trash the environment i understand where this is coming from Mm -hmm. why should human beings get the all the resources from the earth and pillage everything else or why why should humans have more rights than other animals and then more and more extreme views are uh, we actually need to stop thinking about ourselves as human beings as special in any way and instead see that we're just this part of this larger tapestry. And, uh, and I, I get where some of these things are, are com- and so it's like speciesist mm-hmm. to 
say that that human beings are anything special, better, or more valuable than 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 anything else. It it it's in philosophy and ethics. It's also in uh, science fiction right now. I've heard a lot of these conversations. So, Star Trek. And I, I'm not a huge Trekkie, although I know a couple of our, at least a couple of our listeners are. And you're a semi-Trekkie, mm, right? When or, I was growing up, but okay. not now. So, uh, more recently in Star Trek, there's been observations that even if Star Trek from the very beginning was founded with this ethos of inclusion and representation across species and galaxies, why is it that the stories always focus on the humans? And why is it that the humans are the ones that always uh, are the are the commanders of the ships and the alien races are the ones that that are 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 down below and uh-huh. the and which I, I think does fit like from the very beginning or you watched the next generation right mm-hmm. do you remember the one line that was changed in the intro from the original no, I don't okay remember. so to boldly go where... No one or no man. Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. no man has gone before was the 1960s version updated to no one because, you know, girls can be in space too, which is absolutely true. And then, yeah, so I think those conversations are fairly germane to the Star Trek world. Less so in Star Wars where it's, it, it's, a, it's a new ingredient or addition where there's a lot more conversation about has Chewie been mistreated and... In Star Wars movies, and Star Wars was much more of just like a white knight, you know, mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker, episode four. Uh, so there's conversations about alien rights in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> but, and so so far I'm just like, sure. And, and there are, uh, yeah. But then what's re- what really buzzes my tower is that it's not just rights of aliens in Star Wars, but also rights of... Mushrooms, droids, fungi, haha, <laughs> um, the the robots, the droids, and um, so like more and more like wire droids mistreated. Westworld, um, yeah, uh, but that that that's so all of all of this is like building biblical tensions in my mind where uh, it's simply the case biblically that human beings do have pride of place in creation. Sure. And uh, that doesn't mean we should trash everything else. That means we need to care for it deeply. I was sure to mention that. Uh, but I'm getting nervous when we talk about, when I hear in Star Wars fandom, uh, that droids are people too, because that <laughs> does have both currently and coming real world parallels that I think there are going to be some new horizons with which to reckon. So when I originally preached my own sermon from Genesis 1 a year and a half ago, it didn't occur to me to say anything about the speciesism conversation. But as I go back to, as Vito brought me back to these verses here, things have changed enough in just a year and a half that I was like, hey, I have not I been reading the same articles something. that you have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. I mean, Battlestar Galactica, Westworld, those were things that we were thinking about like 10 years ago. So it's not like, I don't, yeah, those are not real. <laughs> Star Wars, Star Wars droidism is not real. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, let's move on to Barman cover tunes. You probably want to keep Chewbacca <clears throat> from ever having his own subtitles. Um, specific references. You referenced something, some kind of vehicles that I did not know. Uh, what vehicle? Uh, or were they? Uh, I don't know. Jabronis and. Oh yeah, no, those are people. <laughs> 
A jabroni is a person, not. What is thinking a jabroni? Of like a, you asked me this two weeks ago. It it was my like <laughs> d- different terms for losers. This has fallen into and my then, the part of my brain that uh, doesn't care. <laughs> are, are you thinking of jalopy? I don't know. I don't know. So so yeah, I I think you're just. Or it might be that my notes. You might have been. You may have been notes. saying that. The church like, is the the vehicle yeah. of God's redemption in okay. Christ. Okay, that's and what I. Yeah. All things. I'm just reading my notes wrong. <laughs> jabronis like us. We got there. We found it. <laughs> uh, speciesism. You referenced our friend James. Yeah, it was a it little was a bit of story. a trip down memory lane mm-hmm. with with old James. What what do you have to add about? He would our get so James. mad at me for buying. Um, I almost cheddar about to say cheddar that was not yellow. Yeah, like he wanted, or I would buy like white cheddar instead of yellow cheddar. It'd be like the same. Like he'd say sharp cheddar or extra sharp, and so I'd make sure to get that part right. But I, I don't know. I had for a while. I had a food 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 Nazi (laughs) phase where like any additive product. Yeah, I was very. I was very into not having additives, so I felt right. like white cheddar. Also, I felt like white cheddar tasted better, which I don't know if that is actually true. But well, he would get James, mad at me James, and make you run out and buy yellow cheddar. <laughs> James would agree with you that in a mysterious way, the color of cheddar does affect taste, but took the opposite <laughs> conclusion that even though you explained that it was food coloring, you, you explained to him that it was only food coloring. He never bought it. And so, yeah, he was so annoyed. He'd make you run out that morning, Saturday morning. Oh, to he go didn't find... make me, but it was oh, one of just... those things where a couple of times he would use the white cheddar, but then during the meal when he's eating it, he'd grumble and say, It's like, it's not quite sharp enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, so, so we gave in. Do you, do you remember the fire alarms? Yes, yes, yep, that, yes. And I've heard you tell that story like 10 million times. 10 I wonder million how many times. people congregation. I don't think you've preached about it though so that's okay yeah, yeah i i don't usually go into that much detail with um a story a specific person but in Vito's original sermon he may have spent as much as 10 minutes total talking about his friend robert uh, right. i couldn't couldn't figure out a way not to insert a personal story there and sure. didn't see enough of a reason not to that yeah just no, I, like... I i think that's a good illustration of someone who feels like they may maybe are not that they're taking and taking from a yeah. congregation, um, but they're not. They're adding more than they understand themselves. Yeah. And the the rhetorical purpose behind me sharing the second story about the car was was not just for me to get to a punchline or tell a funny story about living in the city, but the moment where we were laughing and crying together in the home meeting, mm-hmm. I, I hope illustrated that the relationship with James that we and others had with him and he with us was deep, rich, and multivalent where mm-hmm. he wasn't a project. He was a person. Right. Um, and you can't share gallows humor like that with right. uh, someone that's just been through a hard thing un- unless there's a lot of relationship, love relationship yeah. and, and respect there. So there is a method to the storytelling madness sure. this, this weekend. Which is why he felt comfortable complaining about my yellow Versus white cheddar. He, he was not to be convinced <laughs> that, that white cheddar is better than yellow cheddar. Um, the only other reference I have is, like, you were humming something at the beginning of the sermon. I, I was. Yeah. So dumb. So it was 
a prophetic humming, as it turned out, because it it's was not the prophetic. Eagles, Eagles like you knew song. that they were singing, they're they're playing. It's not like it's not prophetic to like. So you're gonna are you gonna be humming all season next year? <laughs> Maybe. <sighs> Don't say I can't. Yeah, so we had, let's see, there there was a nice reference to the Eagles fight song at the very beginning. If, if you're only listening to the recording of the sermon afterwards, I don't think that made it on. Although, Becca, why why not if it didn't? I'm just kidding. Becca does a great job. Vito also included a quote from a Old Testament scholar, Gordon Wenham, about Genesis. I think I added the Mark 10 one. Oh, and Vito included this really nice prayer of his at the end. I'll need to ask him where he got this from, but this was what I used as the conclusion of the sermon. Oh God, to those who have hunger, give bread, and to us who have bread, give hunger for justice. Mm-hmm. Not a not a bad quote. Um, yeah, and then from, from there to Guitar Slim Pickings M, as it relates specifically to um, references, at the end of the sermon as well, Vito had this really, really good but long quote from N.T. Wright about um, human beings created in the image of God. We we are made with an inborn sense of the just and the good and the need to serve one another, um, like a faint tune that we hear in the back of our head, sort of like the Eagles fight song. <laughs> and a really good quote, but it was just too... I, I couldn't figure out a way to... Mm-hmm. It really worked in Vito's sermon, but I tried to park that parallel park that quote a couple of times into the sermon, but I, I couldn't figure out how. And then I thought about short, shortening the quote, but that didn't really work either. So just big problems. It was a big mess. <clears throat> so there was an N.T. Wright splatter on the cutting floor. You were so funny. Um, I was going to I wrote I wrote down my own little extra guitar slim pickings. Okay. Um when you were talking about dignity and justice of humans or whatever. Yeah. Earlier that morning, I had gotten a, a email from DoorDash who, like, I, I was driving DoorDash for a while in the fall. Um, but they were sending me, quote, unquote, good vibes for my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking about, I don't know, that came to me when you were talking about, like, um, wanting to understand your own dignity and value and just thinking, I'm being sent... Good, bu- good vibes by DoorDash for, as a delivery worker. I, 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 I well, don't how, know. How did that make you feel? <laughs> did it make you feel seen in love? <laughs> Our world is kind of funny. <laughs> um, anything else? I don't believe Things so. Things wish you could redo. Um, Howlin' Wolves, any Howlin' Wolves? We don't. We're a little slow in the new year with mm. Howlin' Wolves. Must be the, the dreary weather and stuff, but the... The email remains the same. Postsundayblues at gmail.com. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I need a new way to say it. Um, I, in this, I think in this maybe you need an, uh, like, let's throw out another question for listeners. What do you want to ask them? We will have a question for next week. <laughs> You're the host. <laughs> <You're> bra- <laughs> Both of us brain, um, brainwaves are slow today. Um, I I'll think, be better so about this any, coming any Sunday. Any other uh, things we need to announce about upcoming things? So, there will not be a Post Sunday Blues this coming week. Steve Huber uh, is preaching Communion Sunday, and there's just not a time window for me and Steve to sure. to record after that. So, the Sunday after that, we are picking up and we'll have a nice long stretch of sermons back in Genesis. So, it'll be fun to get back to that regimen and program. And just to let people know, too, 
The Lenten sermon series that we're going to do this year is going to be a resumption of the Genesis sermon series. So we still want to cover as much of Genesis as possible this year, and especially because we've had these Liberty Communion sermons in January, plus an Advent sermon series. It's actually been a little while since we've gotten back to Genesis. Uh, so it will, I'll, I'll really enjoy that good old rhythm of opening some dusty commentaries, beginning a sermon prep cycle saying, I have no idea how I can get a sermon out of this passage. And then flipping the switch to panicking. I have way too much to say. This, this sermon's <laughs> going to be horrible because I have nothing to say. And then this sermon's going to be horrible because I have too much. It's, it's an exquisite sense of fear. <laughs> Sounds so fun. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, how was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more Post-Sunday Blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. Happy.